Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on this show, we talk about the 30,000-piece puzzle that is healthcare and health IT and how each one of us holds a magic piece. So um, today, I am excited to invite Rebecca Woods into our studio. And so, Rebecca, if you wouldn't mind, could you please take a moment to introduce yourself and talk about like the piece of the health IT puzzle that you hold on to? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Rebecca Woods. The piece of the IT puzzle that I hold on to is I have a small IT healthcare consulting firm. It's in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but we go nationally and internationally for any consulting project or a lot of fractional CIO work. I also just launched Bluebird Leaders, which is creating a community for women in health IT. Our first conference is November 3rd and 4th in Portsmouth. So it's coming up quick. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't. Okay, we're definitely going to talk about that. But I want to talk about, for anybody who doesn't know what a fractional CIO is, what is that? What what is, yeah, what do you do? (laughs) Fractional CIO. So it's in, and I do a lot of fractional CIO work in healthcare and outside of healthcare. And this is really for companies that can't afford an entire CIO. And so I'll come in and help them monthly or or yearly, quarterly, and strategically plan their IT, help them augment staff, help them with their vendor planning or vendor selection. And so a lot of it is consulting, but with my CIO hat on and helping them in any way need help with. Okay, so do you have a computer science degree? Is that how you landed in that path? How did I land? I know. So I actually was somebody that shouldn't have even have gone to college, but my parents, you know, said, you need to choose a college, so choose one. And so I did. I went to Plymouth State University here in New Hampshire, and um, I chose communications. I did take some computer programming classes and stuff um, while I was there, but my minor was actually global tourism. And so my first you know, job out of college was working for a travel company and I loved it. I went all over the world. I mean, I quickly just having that entrepreneur spirit, you know, really young, realized I wasn't really going to go far in this company unless I bought this guy out. And at 20 something, I didn't have a couple million dollars, you know, in my back pocket. And so I actually had this really awesome lady that was sitting next to me and 
sales. And she's like, you know, you do really good at this company called Meditech. My daughter works there in HR. And then so she got me that interview. And that's really where the bug just started. I started at Meditech years and years ago in lab implementation. It was like, mind-boggling hard to like understand at first wait I have to present in people and what is the lab work what you know what's microbiology and and all of that stuff and I just I ate it up I loved it I worked for Meditech for a while I went on to work for a few hospitals I worked for Dell and I installed Meditech all over the country in in Canada and Puerto Rico for big large hospital systems that crossed multiple states that this is really in the time where like EHRs were like, we have to get these in. And so I, I did that. And then I worked at a children's hospital for a while. And then the hospital in Vermont that I worked for had an EHR install that wasn't, didn't go quite as planned. And so I got hired as the director of applications. And then six months in was promoted to CIO and really helped them turn around their IT department to a department of two to people that had never implemented an EHR before. IT, I think, was the most hated department. You know, we grew the department, turned it around, and then I slowly started gaining other departments that reported to me over the almost, you know, four and a half, five years that I was that I was there. That's so, awesome. So yeah. you must have learned like a lot of lessons around like typical problems and challenges that hospitals face. Are there any yeah. like across the board that you're like, you know what, everybody could use support with X, Y, or Z. I think change management is the biggest thing. I actually kind of like, I've had conversations with people about this and where, yeah, it's healthcare and we have IT and even, you know, Bluebird, my, my company, Bluebird Tech has a whole program about bridging the gap. And so it's a lot about the infrastructure side that, you know, thinks that they know how it should be. And then operations that actually is like living it day to day. And how do we bridge that gap? And it's really hard for that program to sell to a CFO because there's no like, this is the you know ROI. But when you get in there and open up Pandora's box, it's the change management, it's the lean process improvement, it's working with the people that are there day to day and knowing the operations. And so over the years, I've learned their operations enough to be really dangerous, but I'm not about to give you an IV. And working with them and then coming back with my IT mindset that I've now have and being able to communicate in the middle. I always try to say like, I try to not downplay it, but I always ask myself, can my mother understand like yeah. what I'm saying or doing? And and having to present that to boards, I think is why I've been successful and, and working with that change management. It, it's really, really big and have the end users acceptance because if you start a project across the board, like you were asking, and you don't have their buy-in from the beginning, it will fail. Yeah, you're reminding me of one of those... Well, it's a favorite saying of mine that like, in theory, practice is the same as theory, but in practice, it's not. And so right. when you're talking about like, okay, talking to the lay people or, or the operations, the people are actually doing the work and right. versus how it's supposed to be, like finding that middle ground is super right. important. Super important. It takes out so many extra processes and steps. I go into companies all the time and I'm able to open the operations mind and let them know like the computer can do these things for you. And they're like, you can see the the bulb bright and like, I didn't know that. Or the, you know, you go to the infrastructure side and you're like, no, this is actually what they need to do. And then the infrastructure side is like, oh, that's just like a couple changes in the background, right? And still working with both of them in the middle, 
I find the most enjoyable and just letting, you know, again, letting people know that their, their voices are heard. That's the biggest thing. I mean, it, you know, we're dealing with, with people and it's their job that they're passionate about. And so how can we help them take care of the patients that are really in front of them? I wonder if like being as a fractional CIO that you're actually well-deserving of like employee of the year or the month (laughs) because of how many problems you must solve. Like it's significant. I honestly, like, I don't, I don't really like the light, you know, like even this here is can be uncomfortable for me. I, I really enjoy building the teams and letting the employees shine, right? Because they're the ones that are vested in the company and, and you want them to stay. I mean, even when I was CIO in Vermont, a lot of people, I would kind of joke and say, oh, I'm here for three to five years. That's sort of like the CIO turnaround, right? And they'd be like, no, you have to be here forever. And I'm like, no, I'm going to build you guys up so that the team is successful and essentially work my way out of a job, right? That's yeah. kind of what a good leader is. And um, and I did that. They didn't need me at the end. I had awesome people that were promoted to other jobs. And, you know, one of my help desk assistants got promoted and worked for the VP of marketing. Another was a, a lab tech. We pulled out of the lab. He didn't want to work nights anymore. And and so we we got him the a certifications in IT and up to a tech two and he was working days and and super happy and another help desk or you know assistant that I had she's actually a CIO now in a different field so it's super like that's what I love doing is the mentoring and like helping people figure out where they want to go and so when I go into a company how can I help them educate their staff or promote their staff and give them the tools to be successful. That's really rewarding. And it also sounds like it kind of lends right into what you're doing with Bluebird leaders. So I mean, can you talk about a little bit how you are inspired to create, you know, this this uh, focus for women in health IT? With the, I think pretty much because of the pandemic, I've been helping a lot of startups. And so I think we've helped eight startups in the last 12 months and some are small and some are, you know, have more money to play with and and are bigger, right? I actually helped a startup and I'll, you know, shout out to Love Leadership Foundation and Tiffany Love. And she is a CNO at the UVM Medical Center. And she started a nonprofit around leadership and clinical nursing And I had had this domain forever thinking one day I'll do something with it. And when I was able to start her up and get her launched, I'm like, I like, that's kind of what I just like, what I want to do. Like, why am I sitting on this? And I've just got that fire and it's go time and launch Bluebird Leaders. And it all stems from years ago when I was first CIO, I went to an amazing conference called Chime. And a lot of CIOs go there. It's hands down the best conference I've ever been to. And I went to my first mixer and a lot of the people thought I was conference staff and a lot of them were men. And so, you know, I did have a few things against me, you know, young, blonde, female. I think I was 30, you know, maybe 31, just turned 31. And that's sort of where that fire sort of started. And even today, I end up in meetings where I'm the only female. And so creating Bluebird Leaders is creating a community for women in health IT. And and how do we mentor the younger generation to be good leaders in health IT? And so in January 2023, we'll launch our mentor mentee program. But that's the kind of work that I like 
thoroughly enjoy just watching other people fly. But you're starting off with this conference. So let's talk about that because it sounds like it's going to be exciting and you've already been able to pull together some amazing speakers. And I just want to hear you tell me, tell me, tell our listeners. Yeah. So the conference November is November 3rd and 4th. The November 3rd is about 170 people. It's here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It's at a brand new AC hotel right downtown. And so you can walk to everything. I hope people choose to spend the weekends. Portsmouth is gorgeous and apple picking and and everything. And and we'll have a whole day of some amazing speakers. And then the second day is about 40 to 45 people. We're calling ourselves the game changers. And within that, Lee, who's actually the hashtag bold, if you've seen some of her uh, stuff, she's uh, moderating that. And we're going to pick one thing that we as game changers can do to change health IT each year. So our conference in 2023 will be in South Carolina. And so that year we'll pick another thing that what can we do to make a difference as women in health IT? Yeah, a woman after my own heart. It's for sure. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So what do you think is going to be like if you could predict, you know, I mean, you're going to have a ton of speakers, but like, is it typical? Is it based around CIO or IT? Like, do you think that the attendees should have, what would be the ideal attendee background? So if the ideal attendee, if you're in health, healthcare, pharmaceutical, you know, some sort of medical and you use a computer, which is like everybody in those title, like names that fields I just called out, then you should attend. If you're, you know, I have men that are attending because they want to support women that want to be successful as well. And so the majority of them will be women. But again, this particular first day is everybody in one room. Next year, we'll actually have breakout sessions and we're actually going to transition over to what's an unconference. So we'll start out as a regular conference and then the attendees the second day will start to create the agenda and who's going to speak. So we might not know who's speaking the second day until we start to put that unconference together. So it'll be exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, because when we've, I've been to a lot of conferences, I'm sure you've been to a lot of conferences, yeah. and sometimes they seem to have a, a bit of a, an algorithm that you know, yeah. like they tend to... Are you guys breaking the mold in any yes. way? Yes. Yes, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of like going to a conference and having it feel like school because again, I wasn't the person that should have, you know, really attended school, even though I got my bachelor's and went on to get my master's. But it's time to shake it up. It's time to not just sit there and run around and go to the next room. And so we'll have some great speakers the first day. And then that first day, we'll really start to plan out that agenda and people will sign up for things and topics that we think we want to talk about. And so then that will be posted that night in terms of the topics and who's speaking. And I'd love to have some more of rooms where there's lots of talking instead of just one speaker up there because everybody has ideas and everybody's voice should be heard. So it'll it'll be a shakeup and a, a fun event as well. I plan on attending, so I'm really excited to see how it all goes down. And I'm also excited just to see how the engagement is, especially if it's got a different formula around like whose voice gets heard. I mean, that's been something that I've been complaining about secretly for a while. Just sort of like, how do we get more voices out there, especially around people who have expertise or have a a lesson to share, but they don't necessarily get the platform. So I love that you're... 
Yeah, um, I agree. And I also think that some people for standing up and being a keynote speaker is really freaking scary. And so if we're all in a room and maybe there's 20 people in a room talking about one topic, they'll feel like they can have their voice heard and not be up there on that podium, which is intimidating for people. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of people who said that Well, the pushback around like there's not as many women who say yes to being a keynote speaker. And I think it's partly for what you just mentioned. Like it is a lot of pressure and especially if you've never done it before. So it sounds like you're creating a really safe environment that people can, can, I don't know, like step up a little bit. Um, Right. Right. Feel like their voice is heard and, and start to make an impact. Right. Yeah. Well, so, okay, tell me also about, I know this is a little ways away, but the mentorship program, what's your concept around there? How how would you like to see that unfold? We're going to shake that up a little bit too. So um, in January, we'll kick off the mentor-mentee program. And we're already accepting mentors and, and have a have a list of mentors and then accepting a list of um, mentees. We already have a few of them. So that will be a six month program. They'll meet twice with their, the mentee will meet twice with their mentor. But then we're also going to have classes throughout that six months that I say allows the mentee to learn other things than just how to be CIO. So they'll meet with CFOs, they'll meet with chief marketing officers, and it'll be a, another class of, you know, board members, how to run a board meeting and have these tools kind of like, you want to make sure you know how to tie your shoe or do your taxes when you leave high school, right? And so how can we in six months compact that with the program so that they have these tools to be successful? Because I was sort of given the CIO role, but then it was kind of like, what am I supposed to do, right? And I have amazing mentors in Vermont that that were colleagues that from other hospitals that circled around me and helped me. Joel Benware is one of them. And I couldn't be where I am without them. And so how do we help these mentees have these tools to be successful? I mean, the other thing that I really love about it and what you're doing is is inspiring others to take an active role and basically showing the way and like being not just being a leader, but like literally showing the path. I feel like a lot of what we've been witness to over, I don't know, all, you know, over the course of our careers, and maybe this is just me, but when people get to the top, they don't necessarily share how they got there yeah. or turn around and like open the door and say, Hey, follow me in. It's sort of like, Oh no, there's not that room up. There's not that much room. So I'm going to save it for myself. Right. And I think that in order for us to all succeed in the long run, we've got to do exactly what you're doing, which is, yeah. you know, sharing our secrets. <laughs> Right. And just, you know, I think that somebody at the top, if they're that close guarded, then they're insecure in, in their knowledge and, and what they're doing and, and not a good leader because they should be raising the next group of leaders. And if they work themselves out of a job into a new one, then, you know, congratulations. Right. But how do we help this younger generation to be able to ask why or have a voice and help them out. I want well, somebody to come take my job. Come on. Yeah. You know? Well, then it kind of guarantees that you get to keep learning. I mean, other yeah. then if you work yourself out of a job, then it's like, okay, well, what's next? Like, right. I don't know about exactly. you. I, I tend to like be, gra- I tend to gravitate towards really complicated problems. Don't you know do. why. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can get somebody to come help me with them, then I'm like, great. Now my right. brain can go work on another complicated problem and do the same thing. Just rinse and repeat. Right. I always take on like the 
complicated client that's you know just such a shit show and I'm like I love these guys like how do I help them you know I love it well on that note my question to you is you know considering advice like if we're in a position of we could give advice to others following in our footsteps if you can imagine a hurdle that you would like somebody else to be able to avoid altogether? Yeah. Like if they could hopscotch a hurdle that you faced, what would you tell them? What would the hurdle be and how would they avoid it? Awesome question. My One of my very first early mentors told me, hey kid, this is a small world in healthcare IT. Do not burn a bridge, right? Like however you're going to exit, like just do not burn a bridge because you will come back and see these people again. And it's so true. And I think that's what has helped me be successful and and what I'm doing because people know who I am and know I'm kind and, and can follow through. And so I would tell the younger generation to not burn a bridge. I'd say to even your worst managers or you know leadership, learn you, you can learn sometimes the most out of them. And don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, I traveled for three years every week from Knoxville, Tennessee to California every week. And, you know, when you're traveling that much, you get upgraded to first class. And so I'm this young, like 20 something year old sitting in first class with all these businessmen. And I would talk their ear off. Like, how did you get there? Oh, you're the CEO of Lay's Potato Chips. Like, how did you get there? What did you do? Like, don't like, I want these young people, the younger generations not to be afraid to, to ask because that's how you're going to learn, right? And I want to learn from their mistakes so that I don't make the same one. And so I love that. I also think it's good to be creating that space where there's dialogue, where we can actually learn from each other to have those conversations. I think a lot of times we don't, we're not really even presented with ways that we can exchange information like that. And so I love what you're doing. Yeah, well, Bluebird Leaders will have a membership program here launching soon. So we hope to have that platform to do exactly what you're saying, Joy, and, and let people have a voice and, and ask questions. And Okay. Well, Rebecca, thank you very much for joining us today. I can't wait to meet you in person and follow yes. your journey. Yay. And so <laughs> let's talk about it. Well, so if people want to go to the conference, how do they get there? And also, if they just want to follow you and follow your journey, where would you point them? Um, I would probably point them for me to LinkedIn. I think that's where I have my biggest following. And for the conference, it's bluebirdleaders.org. It's November 3rd and 4th in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And we still are accepting attendees and sponsors. So we can't wait okay. to have everybody come. Great. I can't wait to tell everybody about it and see you there. So thanks for joining. It's been great to have you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.